we're not going to stop there. Let's keep our hands together.
somebody praise the Lord in the house this morning. He's so good. I want to challenge you just for a moment before we go one step deeper. But how many of y'all remember Joshua and the Israelites approaching Jericho? Sometimes you don't get your breakthrough until you step out of your comfort zone and things get a little bit messy. See, a lot of times we want God to gift wrap everything for us like it's Valentine's Day and give us a nice little present with a bow on top. But sometimes you've got to do your part and step out of your comfort zone and lift up your own shout of victory. So we serve a God that keeps his promises. They are yes and amen, and we bless him this morning. Promise keeper will never fail. Your love is true. Promise keeper deliver on your word and die.
Can somebody just say the name of Jesus this morning? Jesus. Over every issue. Jesus over every fear. Jesus over our family. There is no other name that can do what the name of Jesus can do. In our loss, Jesus. In our sickness, Jesus. In our healing, Jesus. I don't know about you, but when we get to sing and worship his name, it's a privilege and it's an honor. I just really feel in my heart this morning I just want to ask you a question I don't know what's going on in your week I, I don't know the different things that are happening in your lives all of you but I know this there are people in here today who've been struggling I don't know I don't know if it's a diagnosis I, I don't know if it's financial I, I don't know if it's simply a spiritual thing in your life but you have been battling anxieties and stress 
and tension to the point where you're not sleeping well, to the point where it's affecting the people around you. And I'm gonna ask you to do something rather bold. I'm not gonna call you to the front, but you'd say, Pastor, that's me and I need to let it go. I need to speak Jesus over that. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me today. Yeah, yeah. Some of us trying to raise everything we got, right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak over every single hand. We speak over everyone right now in Jesus' name. And we declare the name above all names. Father, your word said, Jesus, you said that everything is under your feet. And because we're seated alongside you in the heavenlies, then everything is under our feet. So, Lord, we speak to the tension we speak to the stress we speak to all the stuff that's causing all this turmoil and we speak the name of Jesus we speak healing into their lives we speak joy where there's sadness Lord we speak restoration where there's brokenness and father right now we declare it in the name of Jesus come on if you agree with that I just need you to shout this morning it's good it's good can I just encourage you just for a second in this when you're walking in those moments of anxiety and those moments of fear train yourself discipline yourself to speak the name of Jesus you know to the point to where you're in a near accident and the word that comes out of your mouth isn't something we should be ashamed of but it's Jesus, and not in a derogatory way, but we're calling on the name of Jesus. When you feel that anxiety begin to approach, Jesus, I, I promise you that he'll show up right then, right there, and he'll give you the escape route. I'm telling you, that's who he is, and I love it. Well, today I can't think of a better time to get to do what we're about to do and share in communion. So if you're here today and you say, I'd like to be a part of the communion service, you don't have to be a member of the church or anything like that. As long as you're a part of the body of Christ, communion is for you no matter where you are. But if you say, Pastor, I'd like to be a part of that, but I didn't get the elements when I came in. Would you just slip your hand up? They've raised the lights a little bit so that they can see your hands. Hold them up and ushers are gonna get to you as quickly as possible. We have some highly skilled uh, ushers they're very adept at cross country running so they're ready there's hands up over here to the stage uh, stage left and yeah good job amen and let me talk to you while they're doing that just for a moment communion this is such a powerful thing that we've been commanded to do from the very lips of Jesus and you know as I think about communion the reality is is our lives get so busy we're running from one place to the other we're trying to take care of this trying to meet this need trying to uh, take care of this person trying to take care of our families trying to satisfy the requirements of our jobs all those things communion brings us back to baseline to remember this is who we are 
that amid everything going on in our lives, it really comes down to remembering the price that Jesus paid for every one of us. So as we get ready to do this, the last thing I'll mention about the elements is this. If you're around someone, make sure that they're able to open this. Sometimes they, people don't have as good dexterity in their fingers to pull back the cellophanes. And uh, I learned that from my mom. She was like, she's like, son, you need to tell people that. So, because she couldn't open hers. But today as we join in Holy Communion, I would ask you this. The Bible says, don't take communion in an unworthy manner. By that, it means if there's something in your life today as a believer, you need to clear it up with God. So how do I do that? It's simple. Just repent. That's the beauty of our relationship with God. When we know we've made a mistake, just repent. His grace is abundant. So today, I would ask you just to take a moment. Search your lives. Search your heart. And if you need to repent, just right where you are. Just ask Jesus to forgive you and prepare you. Let's do that right now. Jesus. Amen. So Jesus was at the table with his disciples, his friends, those closest to him. And his letting them in on everything that's going on, you know, all the challenges that are about to come. And he knew that they would need a baseline. So as they sat at that table, he reaches down, he grabs the bread and says, this is my body. It's broken for you. Today, as we take the bread, and as we break the wafer, it represents Christ's broken body for you. And I can tell you this, what a privilege. So today, let's take the bread and break it and take of his body together. Thank you, Jesus. And then Jesus, in my mind, I'm a very visual person. I, I see Jesus reaching down and taking the cup. And he holds it up and says, everyone, this is my blood. This represents the blood that I'll shed for you. Why is that so important? Because without the blood of Jesus, there's no remission of sins. He was the ultimate sacrifice for every one of us. Without it, we couldn't walk into his presence like we do today. So today, picture Jesus looking at you, saying, this is my blood for you. Take it in remembrance of me. Let's take of the cup. Mm. Father, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. And may we always remember the intensity of that moment to remind us of the intensity of our call to obey him. 
And Jesus, today as we gather in your house, we remember, thank you for taking that beating. Thank you for the stripes that were laid across your body. Thank you for the blood that you shed, that our sons and daughters might be saved, that we might be saved. Lord, you are amazing, and we long to see you again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Isn't God good? Come on, can you just turn to somebody and tell them, God is good. Come on, tell somebody this morning. Wow, I love that. And you know, as we get ready to move forward, I, I want to tell you, I've got, uh, the Lord's really been dealing with me this week, and I, I've, I've got something for you that I want to share this morning, and I'm looking so forward to it. But before we get to all that, would you welcome Megan and Grant Ross to the stage this morning? Good morning, hey. church. Hey, it's church. So good to see you in the house this good morning. Good to see you again. Again. I saw them just a moment ago. Yeah, we're so honored to be able to get up here and talk to you guys for just a second. We want to welcome you guys to Three Oaks Church. And can you all just make some noise for any first-time visitors that we might have, any online first-time watchers, or just online watchers. We're grateful to have you this morning. And there are a few ways for us to connect with you, and that is so important, isn't it, Grouse? It's very important to get connected. Uh, I might be partial, but I think it's a pretty cool place to be connected. It I mean, is. I like being connected with Barry. That's right. We Barry's love Barry. a good guy to be connected <laughs> with. You guys are incredible to be connected with. But uh, one of the ways you can text welcome to 615-846-5330. Yes. Praise the Lord. My and dyslexia if- <laughs> did not kick in. I got all those numbers correct. That's right. You did great. And if you are a little more old school, like me, maybe you might see on the seat here, there is a uh, connection card that you can fill out and drop in the offering bucket. And those actually come across the staff's desk. So we are actually answering those prayer requests. We are praying for you. We are looking yes. to see what it is you need, what connection you're looking for, and getting you plugged into the right places. So it is really important. You can also fill that on, out online on our website. So. There's a couple different ways to do that, but there's also something else that we do. You help out almost every other Sunday with guest experience. We do. We do. We want to meet you. Uh, And so we get together back there in the back. Um, Sometimes we have sweets as well. I might want the sweets more than I want to meet. I'm just kidding. Oh, my goodness. I'm kidding. (laughs) He does have a mad sweet tooth. I got a bad sweet tooth. But we want to meet you back there. We do. You know, put a face with a name, shake a hand. And uh, hug a neck, so please. Yeah, and like I said, if it's your first time, I say it every week. If it's your first time, your first time in a long time, it is so important. So find us directly after service. It's a chance to connect with staff members, with lead volunteers, just to get to know some friendly faces and and just connect. So I think that's all I've got. So Megan's got. Thank you guys so much. Yay, Megan. It's been a minute since I've got to be up here and do a welcome connection card with one of my sisters. So it's always a privilege, a pleasure. Ushers, if you would go ahead and join me in the front as we continue worship by receiving our morning tithes and offerings. And um, I hope it was not lost on any of you that Megan said she was old school. Is she old enough to be able to be old school? (laughs) There are no gray hairs on that girl. (laughs) I think I've earned a couple. So... (laughs) But where I'm at this morning is uh, the scripture reading is, I found, it is Galatians. It's a popular uh, offering scripture, Galatians chapter 6. And I'm going to go old school, King James. That's how you know it's legit. 
It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall also uh, reap, uh, excuse me, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. See, here's, here's a life principle. God, when he puts when he puts principles in place, he will not violate those principles. See, you want to know one thing that God cannot do or will not do? He says, I honor my word above my name. That's a pretty strong scripture. I honor my word above my name. We used to say that back in the old, uh, in the old days. You shake a hand and it was, you're only as good as your word. That comes from a father up in, uh, uh, our, our father God up in heaven. He honors his word above his name. He set principles out in order that how you sow is how you shall reap. And the reason why you all are a blessed people is because you live according to this principle. And so you're, I've said it before, you're a blessed people. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for all that you've done. God, you are faithful. I was just having a conversation at work in my little work trailer two days ago about your faithfulness. You're a faithful God. Regardless of situations, things that we might go through, other people not, you know, uh, disappointing us, you are always faithful. And you teach us how to be faithful as well. So press down, shaking together, even running over you. Word says that you cause man to bring it back into us. And so we thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. If you love him one time, can you shout amen? Dear Eric Search, we love you. Good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Before we settle in for a message today, we'll let you know of a few things going on at Three Oaks. Kick off for the big game, 5.30 this evening, guys. Come early, grab a table, and get ready for the Three Oaks Super Bowl party at Fairview Pizza right down the street in Gallatin. Well, if you're a member of God's Classics, we want you to be a part of the God's Classics directory. So if you haven't already, meet up with Gary and Paula Kiggins in the lobby right after service and have your picture taken. And of course, don't forget their potluck breakfast coming up on Saturday at 10 a.m. right here in the cafe. We're looking forward to Mission Sunday coming up on February the 26th as Three Oaks partners with Mosbach World Mission. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go to mosbach.com and learn more about the incredible things they're doing. Through churches and Bible schools, this organization is spreading God's message literally throughout the world. So we're honored to be a part of that here at Three Oaks. And that wraps up what's happening here at Three Oaks, short and sweet this morning. So let's take a minute and stand up and say hello to someone around you. Amen. Well, as you make your way back to your seats, everybody, I am so glad to see everyone. You look so good. You look so good. And uh, what an honor 
it is to get to do church together. Just church together. You know, we need each other. Did you know that? We need each other. I meet people all the time who says, Pastor, you know what? I, I don't need church to be a Christian. I don't need church to go to heaven. And I'm saying, well, I'm not going to argue that point with you. But I can tell you this, you need church. We need each other. And uh, what a blessing it is to get to do church with some absolutely amazing people. I'm just looking around. I'm so proud of every one of you. I've watched a couple generations of people in my ministry come up and go do things. Now, now the babies are having babies and, you know, and uh, my daughter Michaela and Alex, her husband had their first little baby about, uh, about a month ago now. And uh, this is her first time to get to be in service with the baby. So uh, no, you cannot hold her yet. Is that good, Alex? I do okay? Okay, all right. All right. Anyway, uh, but she is beautiful and it's such, I, I don't know how to explain when you have church family how important it is. We're not perfect. Never gonna be until Jesus comes back and takes us home. But when I look around, and I see so many stories, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful to get to be a small part of every one, and it just means the world. So would you do me a favor? Would you just turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, I'm glad you're here too. Just tell him that real quick. I'm glad you're here too. And real quick, and you'll discover, if you're, if you're new here, if you're visiting and you're our guest today, you'll discover we're a very talkative bunch. It doesn't take much. But, you know, I am really excited that God placed on the heart of our leadership and on this church to take a step of faith, to really say, you know what, we need to make a difference. So just a couple of weeks ago, we started, uh, we announced and let you know about the new children's educational building that we're committing to build. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be great. And we're excited about it. And uh, I don't know if they have that. We've been doing a lot of, a lot of different uh, tech upgrades and stuff, but uh, yeah, there we go, there it is. So that's a, the rendering there. That's our kids' educational building there. And you say, well, why do we, should we be building right now? Well, logic would tell you not to, but need and the call says you must. Because we know that right now, parents need options. And I'm not talking about on Sundays. Yes, we desperately need it on Sundays. We got kids coming out our wazoos. You know, they're everywhere. But what I will tell you is this, is part of the dream and the vision that God's put on this house is to make sure that we're training our children up in the ways of the Lord. And the further our world gets, the further our world gets from the truth of the Bible, the more, the more destructive our culture is becoming. We see that. You keep, I mean, I don't care what, you th what people think, we see it with our own eyes. So instead of complaining about it, we want to be part of the solution. So we're looking uh, to be able to provide an opportunity for parents who don't want their kids in public education anymore, but they're looking for a place where they can teach and train their kids in godly principles. Now, let me say this. 
I am grateful for every one of our teachers and administrators in our counties that love Jesus and are fighting the battle. They're on the absolute mission field. So I want you to put your hands together and say thank you for the ones that are fighting. But our kids are worth it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God is doing. And uh, I'm just grateful to be a part of that. So as, you, uh, as, you, as God lays on your heart, as you can ex- expect, it's not a cheap project to step into. And I hope for next week to be able to give you the whole total of what it will be. We're still waiting on that bid to come in. But what I want you to understand is this is an urgent need. And some of you can make a big difference. And I'm asking you to pray about what you will do. And some might say, well, but I don't have kids. But you know what? Just because we don't have kids or our kids are grown doesn't mean that that responsibility doesn't exist inside of us. I'm going to tell you, it increases. As God prospers you, God uses us as a resource for the kingdom. And I just want to challenge everyone. Some of you that are watching online today, we need you. We need to make a difference. And people say, well, you know, Pastor, this is just the wrong time. It's never the wrong time when God calls it forward. It's never the wrong time because God's resources are unlimited. So I'm challenging you. Let's get it done and we'll do it together. Amen? So you can give online. You can go on the website and give there where you can uh, go to the building fund. All that goes straight in there. Anytime you want to give to that, you're more than welcome to. It's completely open. And also, when you're tithing and you want to do that, you can drop a check in the offering bucket as well. That, that says building fund. Just make sure you denote to where it goes. That's an important thing. So I know we've already taken up the offering, all this stuff. I just want to remind you because I know you need to be a part of that. We need to sow our seed in the right place. So anyway, I'm grateful for every one of you. It's kind of funny that as I get ready to step into the message portion today is that we stepped into this season of faith and we're talking about alignment. We're talking about how do we live on point in a culture that's completely pointless. You know, we live in a culture where it's telling you, just do what you want to do. It's okay. And, you know, we expect the world to be the world. What we don't expect is people who say they're followers of Christ to look at it the same way, to look and say, well, no matter what happens, it's like, you know, this is just how it works for me. And this is my spirituality, all these things. Let me make this very clear. When we choose Jesus, we don't take Jesus and force him into our mold. When we accept Jesus, we say, I accept the ways of the Father. I receive that and I choose that. And see, the world has it backwards. It's this, well, I'm going to follow Jesus, but Jesus needs to do it the way that I want it done. Now, we may not say it like that, but that's what we try to live out. So I want to challenge you today as we talk about through this series some very powerful uh, components of walking in faith and being believers in this culture. Is realize every believer needs to live on point. Can somebody say amen? On point. Kingdom. We need to be thinking kingdom more than ever before in our entire lives. And with that being said, today I want to talk to you about moving beyond safety. 
You know, we're spoiled in America for the most part. We have very safe lives. You know, when we think about that, I mean, you remember growing up, and some of you will remember this. Uh, I, I, J.D., I know you'll remember this back because you were around back, back when Ford created that first one, right? The first, okay, yeah. No, <laughs> no, the truth is, is that I remember growing up, and you remember when there were no seatbelts? Anybody remember that? You know, what was your seatbelt as a kid, y'all? See? See, y'all my people. You know, as a matter of fact, do you remember in the car when you would take a family trip what the most coveted space for the kid was? Back window. See? Now we live in a time where they're going to keep your kid in the car seat until they're 13. Right? You know, and, and, and I'm thankful for all the safety things that we have in our lives. But we live in a very safe nation in many ways. The problem is that real faith and real adventurous lives that God calls us to are absent in the safety zone. Yes, it's a great place to recuperate. It's a great place to heal. But God God calls us beyond safety. And that's what I want to speak to you about today for briefly. I just want to say this really quickly too. I don't know, it's, it's a little chilly up here. I'm just going to let that be a known for somebody. They can take care of that. Don't melt us, but it might help. So it's time to move beyond safety. And we're going to read our word today. Would you stand to your feet right where you are and open your Bibles into the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to look at just a handful of verses, verses 35 through 39. Verses 35 through 39. The Bible says, so do not throw away your confidence. Now, let's pause here for a minute. So do not throw away your confidence. When you read this, if you read through the Amplified Version, it'll also tell you here. It says, do not throw away your fearless confidence. Remember that. Are you fearless? Is your confidence in Christ fearless? It's a great question. Because it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. This is a reference back to the book of Habakkuk. Very powerful word here. And I want to read that part again. It says, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I love that passage. Let's pray. Father, for the next few minutes, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every one of our hearts. That God, as we dig into your word, that you would reveal yourself to each one of us wherever we are in our journey. And Lord, I pray this, as the seed of your word is thrown, is sown into the hearts of your people, I pray, Father, that it would find fertile soil in every one of our lives. Because, Father, our prayer is that it would bring back a harvest of good in each one of us. And Lord, I pray this as always. When we finish our time together today, I pray, Father, we will be better.
because of our time together. Let your word convict us. May we not be afraid to let the Holy Spirit change us and lead us to be better. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, I've lived, in, uh, I've lived a life of seeing big faith. I've seen so many miraculous things. I've seen so many moments in my family's history where we stepped out into the unknown. And it reminds you of in Hebrews, you know, in chapter 11, where it's talking about the, it's the hall of fame of faith, you know, and, and it's talking about all these people who did such great things. And he speaks about Abraham. It says, Abraham had the faith when God called him, stepped out into a place he had never been, didn't know where he was going, but trusted God and trusted the promise. And And that is faith. I love where it says, for those, we are not those who shrink back. See, the problem that we see in our culture, the problem that we see in our walks with God is very often we shrink back from what God has called us to. We shrink back because it's too big. We shrink back because it gets difficult. We shrink back because it's not popular. Can I just go ahead and tell you this? That ever since Jesus showed up and started preaching and started teaching and leading people, showing them the way, and all through the Acts church, all through all of those things, the gospel always rubs people the wrong way. Always. In other words, it's always countercultural. So it's always going to rub people the wrong way, right? It's always going to be a little disconnected from what's going on in the culture as it should be. But when we talk about this, I think we need to understand that basically, and at least in my life, let me say it that way. In my life, I've always seen the miraculous when I've been stuck out on the limb. When I've gone out and I've gone in, let me t- tell you since it's Super Bowl Sunday and some of y'all will need to repent after today, is, is going all in. All the chips are on the table saying, no, this is what I know. This is what I've been called to. There's no room. You know, as, as one story says that I can't remember because it's just coming to my mind, but uh, is when one army came in and the commander burned the ships after everybody got on land. Why? Because there's no going back. Can I just tell you this church? There's no going back to what you thought was safe. There's no going back to being able to trust everybody else to do what's right to trust our politicians, to stand up for what's true and what's godly, to trust everybody else to raise our children and to expect that those people are gonna give them the principles and the things that they need and we know that are important to us. The question I would have is, how important is it really to you if you're allowing somebody else to do all the work? I tell people all the time, they say, well, that's what the church is for. I will agree to an extent. But the church is supposed, our chief job is to come alongside you and give you the tools and the information that you need and to help you be discipled so that you can be the chief discipler in your home. We get your kids for a very short amount of time every week. They're in the school system and around other people for multiple hours every week. So the truth is, as we come to this, we need to realize we have a job to do. And the miraculous that I've seen in my life, almost always is when I've gone all in, 
when I find myself out and there's no answer, I was having this conversation with, with Barry, uh, one of our guitar players, uh, right before service, and we were talking about patience. You know, I said, well, I kept thinking, you know, as I get older, I thought I'd get more patient. You, anybody my age or, or older can understand, you know, so that means like 34 and up. Um, <laughs> have y'all gotten more patient as you got older? I, I know. It's the strangest thing. But I was telling Barry, I said, you know what I have discovered, though? That I'm learning in my older years. I'm learning to get to that place to get out on the limb faster than I used to because I used to want to do it in my own strength, and my own power. I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. I don't like to bother people with problems. Anybody else like that? I just want to figure it out. But you know what I discovered? There are some things I can't change. And I can spend a lifetime trying to fix things that I'm not called to fix. So how do I do this? I've learned to get out in faith quicker than I used to, to trust God, to give it to him in a more efficient manner in my life. See, because the truth is, I need to be in alignment. If I want to see God's anointing in my life, if you want to see the power of God in your life reflecting into your family and then reflecting into your culture around you, then you need to be in alignment with God's word. And I am amazed so many times when people complain about the issues of their lives, when they're, they don't understand, how could this be happening? And you can ask a few simple questions most of the time, and you can find out very quickly, well, this is why it's happening, because you're out of alignment. I mean, I know all of us, we know this analogy so well, but uh, have you ever driven a car that was really, the alignment was really off? I mean, it's like, it's like riding in a horse and buggy or something. You're like going, my gosh, I'm going everywhere. Or, or sometimes it's out of alignment and it's just a little bit and you don't notice as much. It's kind of pulling to the right a little bit or it's pulling to the left just a little bit. And, and before you know it, your wheels are worn out. Your tires are shot because they've been worn out on one place because of the lack of alignment. It's the same thing in all of our lives as believers, as we walk in faith. Sometimes, you know why we're so weary and so worn down? Because we're not in alignment with God's word. So what we have to do in our hearts and our lives is say, okay, then how do I do this? The number one is realize that I can't continue to shrink back. I've got to say, this is what I've called to, I've been called to. And let me just speak to this. Because this area of safety in your life can be in different places in different areas. You know, some people, it's your money, it's your finances. I can't trust God with my finances. If I trust God with my finances and he doesn't come through for me, then I've thrown my money away. The problem is if that's your concept, then you're not ever gonna receive the blessing anyway. It's like, how do I trust God with that? You just do. Remember what the Bible says in Malachi, it says, test me. I'll prove myself in this way. I love that. But it's so many times, it's money and finances. For some of us, um, it's staying in the same position when God's trying to promote you. Well, I don't know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that promotion. Yeah, but there's also an increase in wages. There's also an increase in, in resources and influence and all these things. But yeah, but I've never done it that way. I'd have to learn all new things. Well, join the club. 
You know, when I started ministry all those years ago, I could come in and I could turn everything on. I could make everything work. Nowadays, I come in and I call the tech team and I'm like going, hey, uh, can somebody come by here and turn all this on for me? I can't do it. Why? But the thing is, I have to learn. There are new things and new seasons that we have to adapt to so that we can do what we're supposed to do. We have to realize just because something requires knowledge that we don't have yet or experience that we don't have yet, if God's trying to elevate you, embrace it and let God do what he needs to do. Uh, The safety place, uh, not stepping out in faith, not stepping out in faith because you don't know what happens next. Wow. Wow. I'm going to tell one of my favorite stories, and then we'll dig into a couple points that I have for you today and some more scripture. When I was little, some of you heard this story, but when I was little, uh, there was a thing in the South and probably in other places too, but you know, I'm from the South, so that's always my reference point, and it's frog gigging. Anybody been frog gigging? You frog giggers, you know, the Californians that are here today are going, What? Oh yeah, it's, a, it's, it's just wonderful. It's, it's this wonderful art form of hunting. They, we go stab these pitiful little frogs with these things that look like pitchforks. You know, anyway, that's not the story. But my dad was going frog gigging with some of his friends. And if, if you don't know about frog gigging, you know, it's like frogs love cow ponds. They love that murky, muddy water. So dad said, I'm going frog gigging. And as a little kid, that was so cool to me. And not because of the frogs. It had nothing to do with the frogs. But they, got, they had these little lights that they put on their head right there. And it was just, that, that was cool. You know, I was like, I want to go. And dad said, son, you're too young. He knew me well. You're too young. You love animals. You're not going to want to do this. And I said, no, dad, I want to go. This, I want to go be a part. And He said, okay. He said, so I looked, I said, can I have the sticker thing? And he goes, no, you're going to carry the bag. So they had a cotton sack, a little burlap bag, right? And so I'm the sack carrier. And I'll never forget, we get out there and you don't realize how spooky that is until you get out into it. And I'll never forget as dad said, now son, just walk where I walk and stay right behind me, and everything's going to be fine. And I always remember this so clearly because, number one, as they would get the frogs, they would take them and they would put them in my bag, and I've got bad news for you, uh, for you PETA people and stuff. It don't kill them real quick. All I remember as a kid, I had nightmares, y'all, is frogs trying to get out, climbing up my back on that bag. It was horrible. So anyway, but I remember my dad as he would step, and we were in the edges of the pond, and as he would step into the pond, into the mud, I'd be looking, and I'm a little kid. I, my, my stride is not nearly as wide as my six-foot-four daddy was. You know, and he would take these monstrous steps. I'm this little kid, and all I could see was like, if I step where daddy just stepped, then I know that it's safe. The problem was, as soon as he picked his foot up, the mud and the water would immediately swoop back in and fill the hole. So what I would have to do is as soon as dad would take his foot up, I would have to jump to get to where his foot was so I still knew it was safe. 
but I still didn't know what was underneath me. And so many times in life, we're the same. Is that God's calling us to something new, a new level with him, a, a new act of obedience with him, a new spiritual discipline that he's wanting you to be better at. He's wanting you to increase in certain ways. And yet we look at it, we go, yeah, but I don't know exactly where I'm supposed to be. There comes a place where you have to realize his foot was just there. He's leading you and you have to be intimate, close to him so that when his foot comes up, you can step into that place and know that you are safe. And I can tell you this, when you step out on a limb of faith and you trust God when there's no other answer, I'm just telling you something. He will never leave you. He will never just leave you hanging. He's never failed me and he'll never fail you. Be willing to take the leap. Be willing to trust where the footprint was. So let me give you a key thought. I'm gonna give you two today. The first key thought is simply this. Moving beyond safety is never easy, but it's always necessary. Every revolution started with one person that was willing to say, this isn't right. Every great move, every great change in our culture, the ones that are great, there are some bad ones too, but the ones that are great, it always starts with one person who says enough is enough. We're stepping out and we know it's not going to be easy, but nothing changes until you change, until you step out and do something about it. Everything will remain the same. It's never easy, but it's always necessary. And that place, is, it's a place of intensity. So I want to let you know, if you're in that place and you're saying, yeah, but this is way intense, know that you're in the right place. You say, well, but I'm not seeing God do everything right away. You're in the right place. That what you mean? But God, hadn't, he hadn't given me my, my miracle yet. He hasn't provided this yet. You're in the right place. As me and Barry were talking, it was that same thing. What I have learned is that the miraculous only happens when we're willing to step out into places we've never been before, to trust him in ways that we've never trusted before. You know, in John chapter five, there's a story about the pool of Bethesda. And the, the story revolves around this one man who had been laying by this poolside for a long time. And he would say, that this was the reason because other people were supposedly getting healed and he wasn't finding his healing. And his answer was when Jesus came on the scene, he didn't know exactly who Jesus was, all those things. He didn't know that that was the key to his miracle. But when Jesus said, why are you here? He says, well, every time that the angel comes down and stirs the water, that's a whole nother story. It's fascinating by the way. But every time an angel comes down and stirs the water, someone else gets to there before I do because I have nobody to help me. Can I tell you something? Sometimes the only person you need to help you get to your healing is Jesus. And we're looking for other people to be the pathway to what God says, I am the pathway. And this is the perfect example because Jesus looks down at him and says, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, he says, you don't need anybody to help you down to that water because your healing is here today. And he says, pick up your mat and walk, you're healed. Let me tell you something. These are the stories that we look at and realize that we have to fight every urge, every urge that's inside of us to run away when we feel anxiety mounting. 
to be somewhat where we beat up this little guy because he was sitting there and he was stuck in this moment. He was stuck in what culture told him he should do. But Jesus shows up, shows up and says, no, 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 I'm, I'm telling you to do it a different way. Can I tell you, the way that Jesus leads you to will always look different than the pathway that the world says is appropriate. Always, every single time. And I think it's fascinating to realize that too many times we feel the anxiety of the moment and we shrink back. And what I am telling you today is God saying, stop shrinking back. Be the woman that God created you to be. Be the man that God created you to be. An overcomer, a conqueror, a warrior for the, for the cause of Christ. You are called to make a difference in the world that you are born in. And just because we live in a world that's going to hell in a handbasket really fast... Just because we look around and we see evil so obvious around us, that does not change the fact that God created you and placed you in this moment for such a time as this. So we cannot shrink back. We can't stop doing what God's called us to do. And alignment with God's word is required. Alignment with his word is required. Uh, there's another story in Mark chapter 2. I love this story because I love it when people are so, so into the knowledge and so knowing of the fact that if they can just get into the presence of Jesus, Jesus will meet their need. Can I tell you, that's what the church is for. That's why we come into this place. Because we recognize if Jesus shows up as his word says he will, and thank you, Lord, that he does, then he can change things then my life is, my healing is there. My salvation's there. My kids can find hope. They can find healing for their lives. It all happens when they, people move beyond safety, moving beyond comfort. There's a story in Mark chapter two. Let me just read you a couple verses, uh, verses four and five. Since they couldn't get him, and I need to paraphrase this or summarize the beginning of this. So their friend is sick. Jesus has come back to Capernaum, and he's home, and everybody's heard about it. His, his ministry is big time now. And as he comes into the city, he's in this house. The place where they're at is packed. There's no room for anything. They can't get near, but their friend is sick, and they know if we can just get him in the presence of Jesus, he'll be healed. They cared enough that they went beyond what was expected. They went beyond what possibly in our culture, in the culture then, was appropriate. It's interesting. Verses 4 and 5. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. I mean, can you imagine that right now? You know, it's like we're preaching, I'm sharing the gospel, and all of a sudden you see some dust or something falling out, and all of a sudden there's a skylight, and there's this bed being lowered down with a person. Y'all, that would be crazy. And you'd think, wow, that's really great. That's, the effects in this house are so good. And no, it's not. It's because somebody's crazy enough to go. I'm not telling you to do this, by the way. But somebody was crazy enough to go out on the limb and say, you know what? What do we got to lose? We're going to stand in the gap for our friend and we're going to do what needs to be done. So they did it by digging through the roof and then lowered the man 
lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, that's what I want you to see. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And what we also know is God provided the miracle. Jesus provided the miracle. Why? There's that one statement that he spoke directly to this man. Because of your faith. See, you're stuck because of your lack of faith. You're not seeing what you desire to see because of your lack of faith. Not because God's not able. I'm, I've heard stories even this week of the miraculous. Not somewhere in a distant land, not somewhere else here. As a matter of fact, right now as we speak, there is a new revival that has broken out in Kentucky in a school campus, in a, a college campus. And right now, they've been in worship continually since Wednesday morning. Young people. Young people. I looked at the video. I'm watching. There wasn't nobody old in there. It was all young people. And I'm watching this, and it's just so empowering. But you see this, what happened in that? Because somebody stepped out in faith and believed for something that seemed impossible. Somebody said, enough's enough. I'm going to stand in the gap, and I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to trust God. And you know what, how that looks? Do you remember the story in the Old Testament? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. The three Hebrew Brothers, the three Hebrew boys, and they wouldn't bow down to worship the idol that the king had set up before them, and the king was going to kill them and throw them into the, the fiery furnace. We know that story as kids, right? And all that was happening, but all that aside, we know the story, powerful, the fourth man, just powerful story. But there's something that we miss often because there was a statement and a decision that those boys made. And these were young guys. And in that statement, they said, whether we live or whether we die, we will serve the Lord. See, that's where the faith rubber meets the road. That's where the decision is. Because God, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be faithful no matter what the result is because I know ultimately you've called me to it. But I also know this, that your word says you have a promise for me. And I'm trusting and I'm believing that that promise is going to be fulfilled in this moment. So I'm stepping out in faith because no matter what happens, I win. Because when you're faithful to God, you cannot lose everybody. You can't worry about the world's opinion of you. You can't worry about all those things. You have to say, I'm going to do what needs to happen. Why did that young man find his healing? Because a handful of guys, a handful of friends who saw no possibility. Most people said, yep, sorry, dude. We'll just have to pray that the anointing can reach through the neighborhood. No, no, they took it to another level. Maybe in your family, somebody needs to be willing to take it to the next level. Maybe in where you're going and what God's called you to, you need to be willing to take it to the next level. It's time to step it up, everybody. We live in a season where we can't shrink back anymore. We've got to come to the place where God's called us to this. And I'm going to tell you, it's an adventurous life. I wouldn't trade my life for anything. I wouldn't trade what God's brought me through, even through the difficult times. Why? It's an adventure. 
Every week, it's an adventure. I love it when I meet with somebody and say, well, how's your week? Well, it's been interesting. That's every week. It never changes. Because this life, when you're serving God, everything changes all the time because God puts you in the path of people you never thought you would be. He introduces you to people and you, you don't see the connections unless you're walking and aware of it in the spirit and seeing all this. I'm telling you, it's an adventure. You need to take things to a new level. But listen, the miraculous that you're looking for is diminished when you stay in safety. When you're safe all the time and you're in your comfort place, you don't need a miracle. You don't need God to show up in a radical way. But when you step out in faith, you need that miracle. I've seen people step out and do things that seemed crazy, but when they did, when they stepped out, and I, I remember this one guy literally listened to what the, Old Te the New Testament said in the book of Acts, and he took everything, he's a very successful pastor, took everything, sold literally everything he had, he and his family, sold everything he had and moved into a third world country and lived like the people there, sold everything. That seemed insane, but yet God called him to it. You say, well, did he get all that stuff back? Who cares? The truth is it's not about what he got back. It's about what he gains in heaven. It's about what he gains in his walk and what he's shown his kids that, yes, you can take the Bible literally. You can live out faith literally. But we live in a culture that tells us if it's uncomfortable, let's don't do that. I'm just telling you, it's time to take things to a new level. Let me share one more thing with you. To move beyond safety, you need to awaken your faith and begin to believe in greater things. And then take the next step. Can you just turn to your neighbor real quick and just take the next step? Now, here's the real question. Well, y'all are quiet and gentle today. That's wild. What is that next step? What is that for you? See, some of you, it's actually receiving Jesus. For some of you, it's saying, I'm tired of addiction in my life. I'm tired of letting something else control me and take away my freedom. I want to be in the freedom that the Bible talks about. Some of you, it's this. It's saying, I'm tired of talking about spiritual disciplines, and I'm going to live it out. I'm going to spend time with God. For some of you, it's that third baptism that we've talked about on Wednesday nights. It's like, you know, I'm tired of living this power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that the Bible speaks about continually through the New Testament. For some of you, it's a decision to say, I'm trusting God with everything that I have. Sometimes we've got to be willing to take that step. And we need to realize, too, is this. You've got to believe for greater things. Can I just tell you, I always heard this as I was growing up. If you have a dream, and that dream is not bigger than you can accomplish in your own life, it's not big enough. I saw this thing one time, and it wasn't even a Christian thing, but this guy was talking about life. And it's funny how all these motivational speakers and all these, these coaches and all that stuff, it's like they got so much wisdom, but as a child, uh, as a student of the Word, you go back to the Word and say, oh, yeah, well, that's what it says. Yeah, th I, that's what the Bible says right there. Of course that works. And I remember him saying this, he says, I want you to get a picture of who you want to be, of what your best life looks like, and then I want you to get bigger with it. Think beyond that. And I thought, oh man, he's just talking about faith. And I'm telling you today, 
the dream that God's placed in your life, some of you have put it on the shelf because it's too much work. Some of you put it on the shelf because things weren't working the way you thought they would. But here's what I'm telling you today. Whatever you're dreaming in this culture and in this time, in this season, make it bigger. And then when you dream bigger, be willing to step out in faith and trust God that where you put your foot, he's been there. And what I can tell you is that where God's taken you, remember this, he will always precede you. He's already been there because he's preparing the way. I love that so much. But today, you need to move beyond safety. Today, you've got to come to the place where you say, I'm not going to let fear keep me from experiencing what God has for me. I'm not going to allow situations and circumstances to define what my dream looks like anymore. And here's how I'll close. I look at my family's story. I didn't come from wealth. As a matter of fact, I come from a family of sharecroppers. My dad left school early simply because he had to support his family because my grandfather was a genuine hobo and he left the family and they had to, my dad and his brothers had to all leave and take care of the family. And that's what they did. They were migrant farmers. They were sharecroppers. That's, this is how they lived their life. We didn't have much. As a matter of fact, as I was growing up, there was a very, very much a poverty mentality that hovered over my family. We couldn't imagine. We lived in an era that seemed like being blessed was a sin. But my dad and my mom broke that. And I'm so grateful. I'm eternally grateful. In other words, he was stepping before me. And he said, we don't have to live this way. This is not how God called us to live. And I remember people would always be ashamed of their blessing of what God brought them to. And I'm like today, I'm like, don't you be ashamed of what God's given you. If you're using your talents and your gifts and God's blessing you because of that, if God's given you things to accomplish what he's created you to accomplish, you'd be proud that God's blessing you. And on the same hand, understand that everything God gives a believer, it doesn't belong to us anyway. It belongs to him. But somebody had to pave the way. I, I didn't come from the Silver Spoon family. But what I can tell you is I walked through life. I've watched God be able to bless things that we touched. I've watched God take us to places that seemed impossible. When we built this building, this campus up here, I'll be honest, it seemed impossible. When we built that campus in Rivergate, when we moved from Millersville to Rivergate, that was absolutely, it was seemingly impossible. But what I've discovered is the bigger you dream, the bigger God shows up and provides what you need. And you say, yeah, but I trusted God and he didn't show up like I thought he would. You don't understand how God works in these situations because God's not done yet. See, sometimes you gotta keep pushing. And I'll tell you, sometimes it feels like a, a big sacrifice. And you know what? You're right. But God never fails. So you need to dream bigger and believe for better things. So instead of letting fear take that away, do this. Move beyond safety. What areas are you trying to stay safe? Where are you trying to stay in your comfort zone in your walk with God? 
Can I tell you something? God created you for more. He created you to believe for bigger and to walk in that. So don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself. One of the greatest blessings of my life was not a blessing that was born out of ministry. When I was first getting my feet off the ground, I decided not to play music and not travel anymore. I was trying to figure out, what am I going to do? I was grateful. One of the guys at the church got, got me a, a casual job. It's called a casual job. And I was working at Roadway, loading trucks on all the shifts that nobody else wanted. It was glorious, let me tell you. I'd go to, I'd go to work in a deer hunting suit. You know, I was a big, big orange guy walking around. It was awful. But I began to pray and I said, God, I can't do this. This is not, there's no joy in this. I know you called me to more. I, I know you called me to something great. And as Tawana and I were just starting out together, I'll never forget, God brought a family into my life. And their background was completely different from mine. They came from a, it was a successful family business and I got to see firsthand what that looked like. And it was very different from the way I grew up. And I was, it was eye-opening because I realized God has more and it's okay. And it came to this point recently, the head of that business, the head of that family was recently uh, very ill and I got to go visit him. And I got to sit down and tell him something that I'd never told him. And I looked at him and I, now that he's, I think he's in his 80s now and I said, I just want to tell you something. I said, I know I've never told you this. I said, and you may not believe me. I said, but you helped make me the man that I am today. I'm a better pastor because of what I learned from him. This is what I'm telling him. And he's looking at me. He's like, you are out of your mind. And I said, no, you showed me what it meant, how, what things could be. And he taught me how to dream. And I'll be eternally grateful for that. He said, why are you telling me? Why, am I, why are you telling that story today? Because I want you to understand something, that dreaming bigger is not bad. God wants you to dream bigger. And we need bigger dreamers today. Because we desperately need the light of the gospel of Jesus to be going places it's never gone before. Whoever thought that we would be living in one of the greatest mission fields in the world, but we are. It's our time. Let's make a difference. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, today we thank you for the beauty of your word. We thank you that you've called us and challenging us to step out in faith and to not shrink back when things are difficult. As a matter of fact, you say you won't be happy with that. But Father, we want to be the people of faith, the people that believe that you put us here for a purpose.
that you're going to resource us because we're willing to be a conduit to sow that into your community to show people Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts today. Show us where we're missing the mark so that we can be better. We need you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I recognize that I've been shrinking back from some of the things that God placed in my heart. I've not been going out on the limb with my expectation. I've been staying safe and I realize I need to shift some things. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand right where you are and just keep them up so I'll know how to pray. Just keep them up, put them up high, don't be shy. Thank you, thank you, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, yep, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, keep them up, I'm I'm not even halfway there yet, folks. Thank you, thank you, yes, thank you. Yep, yes, yes, thank you. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, 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 sir. Yes, 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 ma'am. Amen, you can place your hands back down. Now I'm gonna ask everyone here if you just stand to your feet. And I'm gonna ask our altar workers and our pastors that are available if they'll join me at the front. And um, I I wanna say this really quickly. This church is embarking on a new season. And my heart is that you'll be a part of this because I want people to experience the fullness of who God is and people desperately need. Can I just tell you, there's not enough churches to house all the people that need Jesus in our, just in our area. It's not counting the 30,000 or so that will join us in our services through this week. What I wanna tell you is that you are part of what God is doing. But some of you came into this building today and you know you're not right with God. You know there's sin in your life. Can I tell you this? That God's not gonna bless you even as a believer. He's not gonna bless you when you have willful sin in your life. You need to repent. You need to give it to God. You're in this place and you say, I've not been walking with God. I'm gonna tell you something. If there's ever a time not to play the game, It's now, you need Jesus because we're not promised tomorrow. The way things are looking, he's coming back soon. You say, well, I've heard that my whole life. Well, just, we're not gonna get into all that, but I'm gonna tell you something, don't be surprised. But I'll also tell you this, that Jesus loves you. And the greatest life that you can live is wrapped up in this decision. So if you would, one more time. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus today. I need to choose him. I'm not gonna call you to the front. My job's not to embarrass you, but my job is to tell you the truth and give the opportunity to make a decision, whether you're watching online or whether you're in this building. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, that's me. Just lift your hand up right where you are. 
Say, I need Jesus. I need to get right. I need to make things right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Give me one more second just to make sure I'm not missing a single person. Yes, thank you. Amen. You can place your hands back down. We're going to say a prayer. And it's a simple prayer because it needs to be something from your heart. And you say, well, is the prayer that saves me? No, the prayer is not saved. The prayer is the continuation of what God's already doing in your heart. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he's righteous. He is, he is faithful to forgive you of all unrighteousness. So that's what we're going to do right now. So all of us as a family, can we just say this prayer together? Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin, and I'm turning around. I'm not going to live like I was because I know who I belong to. I am forgiven, and I belong to you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. And.